You're listening to The Voice of Dog. I'm Kaki, your faithful fireside companion, and today's story is Agent Friend Zone by Kyle Gold, who has won 12 Ursa Major Awards and a Coyote Award for his stories and novels, and his acclaimed novel Out of Position co-won the Rainbow Award for Best Gay Novel of 2009. He helped create ROAR, R-A-W-R, the first residential furry writing workshop and is instructed at each of its sessions through 2019. He lives in California and is currently staying home with his partners and dog. More information about Kyle and his books is available at kylegold.com and you can follow him on Twitter at kylegold. Please enjoy Agent Friend Zone by Kyle Gold. The set, a large basement tavern with loud music and a bar in the center room and table service in two quieter rooms, never got completely full on Thursday nights, but even a modest crowd overwhelmed the antiquated ventilation system, whose constant whine of protest scored the background of every conversation. Kirk liked the miasma of sense, the feeling of being lost in a crowd, but one of his three friends usually complained whenever he brought them here. Tonight, though, they hadn't. Lonnie's nose twitched constantly, but the jaguar, sitting across the table next to Porter, was playing a musical demo he'd made for her and was intent on her reaction. Martin was usually quickest to complain about anything from sense to noise to the temperature of his fries, but tonight the cackle missile's sensitive nose was for the moment buried in a fragrant strawberry daiquiri. Kirk sipped his own drink, waiting for Martin to answer the question he'd asked, but when he turned to repeat it, he only got so far as, so what do you think, before he stopped. Martin's gaze was not on Lonnie, as Kirk had thought, but past him, at the dance floor and the bodies moving to the music there. A fox in a shimmering pink satin shirt paused at a bar table, his thick white-tipped tail waving just beyond the doorframe, and Martin's ears perked forward slightly. Oh no, Kirk thought, and searched for some way to distract the cackle missile, but he couldn't think of anything before Martin nudged him. What about that guy, the fox? Let it go, Kirk snapped, and then felt bad about snapping, so he turned to Lonnie and Porter. The otter had taken the headset off his ears. What do you think, Porter? the badger asked, louder than strictly necessary. I thought it was great, Lonnie. I love the bass line and you're bringing in some amazing stuff. You gonna play it at the club? I just thought he'd look like your type, Martin muttered, lapping up his daiquiri with a reddened tongue as his ears flattened. Gonna run it by them, see what they say. Thanks, dude. Lonnie reached out a yellow-furred paw toward Martin and tapped the table. And you, better watch out or the badger here will bite your ear off. The guy's only been single for a month. Martin eyed the jaguar balefully. Two weeks. Whatever, he's still in the mourning period. Lonnie turned to Porter. How long is that supposed to be? The small otter shook her head. Don't ask me. My mourning period is as long as it takes me to put on a tight outfit and get my ass to a club. You gay boys got your own rules. I got no idea how it works. You, I get, she patted the jaguar's shoulder. Oh, thanks. I like being reduced to that guy who doesn't have relationships. The thing is... Martin said to Kirk. You can't just come here and not at least look at other guys. Looking, sure, I don't need them pointed out to me. Porter leaned back, tipping her chair and using her thick tail for balance. If you guys want to go cruise, you can. Lonnie and I will still be here when you get shot down. Ha ha, Kirk flicked his ears back to the side and stared back into the dance room. The fox was gone, disappeared back into the cluster of moving bodies. He felt no compulsion to go and join them. 
Van had dragged him to dance a few times, even when Kirk had said that he preferred to sit home and watch a movie, which was true in the very specific case of evenings spent with Van, if not generally in his life. "'No judgment,' Porter grinned. "'I ditched you guys a bunch of times when Calvin dumped me. Some stuff you gotta work out of your system.' The scrutiny did nothing to decrease the warmth in Kirk's ears. He turned his black-and-white muzzle fully to stare down the cacomissile, who ducked his head. I know usually when I get out of a relationship I'm mopey, but honestly it's such a relief to be done with Van that I feel light. I mean, that guy was stifling. Velcro! The badger laid his ears back, then relaxed and laughed. You guys are tired of hearing about it, I know. It's cool, Lonnie said. We've all been there. But it has been almost a month, Porter added. It's like part of the past. Martin lifted his head long enough to say, Two weeks. See, Kirk said, spreading his large paws. That would make sense if I were hung up or something, but... He turned back to Martin, intending to go on, but over Martin's shoulder he caught sight of a pair of large ears pointed in his direction from a few tables away. Of course, there could have been any number of fennec foxes in the set, but how many of them would have a cluster of pride rings in one ear or own a lime-green patterned Taro Zomani shirt? Kirk leaned back to get a better look, and sure enough, it was Van, pretending to study his menu with his ears positioned to listen to everything Kirk was saying. But clearly you're fine, and maybe we should talk about the Galahad's new album. Porta shook her head. Mia turned me on to them last week. Lonnie, you'd like it. There's one track I think you could sample. His ex was spying on them, and Kirk couldn't say anything about it because Van would hear everything he said. And if he said what he wanted to, something like, Hey, my creepy ex is spying on us. Van would know that he'd seen him, and then he might come over and confront him, and then there'd be a scene, or at least an argument, and telling Martin to let it go twice had filled up Kirk's minimal tolerance for arguments and scenes. "'You did actually break up with him, right?' Lonnie leaned forward. "'I didn't want to ask, but before we move on to alt-punk—' "'New punk!' Porter rolled her eyes. "'Alt-punk sucks.' "'Yes.' Kirk kept his voice low, aware of the large fennec ears just a few tables away. Like you said the words? Uh, so, the badger turned to Porter. The Galahads, huh? Lonnie gave him a look, but Kirk ignored it. He navigated the rest of the conversation without further reference to the ex-boyfriend sitting nearby, keeping his voice low so that Van wouldn't overhear anything even as personal as what album he was currently listening to. If the Fennec found that out, chances were one of the song titles would end up as an email subject or text message or something. It wasn't a bad evening out, all in all, but Kirk couldn't enjoy it properly. Even though he looked away from Van and spoke quietly, the Fennec's presence weighed on him, and he couldn't tell any of his friends about it. For one thing, Van would overhear. For another, he suspected that one of them was responsible. "'You think one of our friends is telling Van where you're all getting together?' The polar bear filled up the small Skype window, blocking out most of the bamboo scrolls hanging on the wall behind her. "'Don't you go to the set all the time?' Not all the time, and the t and two days before that it was at the freaking mall for crying out loud. Kirk stared out into the darkness beyond his bedroom window. Could Van be out there watching him now? Was he that much of a stalker? Wait, you guys went to the mall? The Chester Mall? Was this a high school nostalgia trip? Kirk scowled. C&R were having a sale, and Lonnie wanted to get me some new shirts. Is that one of them? He pulled at the collar of his blue paisley Zelmani and glanced again at the window. Mia, be serious. I am. If it is, then you should let him get you more shirts. The point is, Van has shown up three times in the two weeks since we broke up, and I'm not talking about the place we're going on Twitter or anything, so how is he finding out? 
You check everyone else's accounts. Yeah. Lonnie posted a shirt picture, but not where it was from. And anyway, that was like five minutes before I saw Van. He couldn't have gotten to the mall that quickly. Mia shook her head, smiling. All right, look, I got to get breakfast here in a minute. What are you going to do about it? You can't just stop hanging out with everyone. Who don't you trust? That's the thing. Kirk rested his head against his paw, his blunt claws pressing into his temple. A couple weeks ago, I would have said I trusted them all, but I can't figure out any other way that Van knows where we are. Mia shook her head. Maybe it's coincidence. Maybe he's going out to a bunch of places all the time, and he happens to run into you a few times. No, Kirk straightened. No, once it's happenstance, twice it's coincidence, three times it's enemy action. The polar bear snorted a concussive sound that popped the microphone. You read too many spy books. You're reading into it. Then how's he doing it? It's got to be one of them. Mia leaned in close enough that he could see her black nose glistening. Maybe you should tell them that the group is getting together somewhere in the next day or two, but tell everyone a different place. Wherever Van shows up, that's the person you want. The badger stared at the screen. That's... that's right out of John le Carré. How come I didn't think of that? Because it's night and you're tired and you're angry, and plus I'm studying historical court politics, and if you think your ex-boyfriend spying on you is bad, let me tell you, the emperors of the Edo period would have laughed at you. I won't tell them then. Kirk stared at the screen, already forming a plan in his head. That's brilliant. I'll figure it out that way. Mia shook her head. Oh, sorry, I was being sarcastic. Oh my God, Kirk, people don't do this kind of spy stuff in real life to their friends. Not up and ask them if any of them is talking to Van and why. They'd never admit it. His ears folded back. Then talk to Van. Tell him to stop coming around. Kirk, I know you hate to hurt people's feelings, but don't you think it's hurting him more? Go get breakfast, he said. Thanks for the advice. He was already clicking on the red hang up button as Mia said, It wasn't... Lonnie was his top suspect because the mall had been the most unusual place for Van to turn up and it had been the Jaguar's idea. They already had a weekly Wednesday night dinner and this week it was set for Red Hook Pizza, but Kirk could adapt to that. He'd just reverse his plan. So he called Lonnie an hour or so before the pizza and said he might not be able to make it. Lonnie wasn't likely to call either of the others or text them just to say that Kirk was buried in work, but if he were the spy he'd for sure tell Van not to bother showing up this time. And half an hour into their meal, Kirk looked up and noticed the Fennec sitting at the bar in the back of the room. He must have come in the back door, and he was trying to make himself inconspicuous, but big-eared species were really bad at that unless they folded their ears down, which a Fennec trying to listen to a conversation halfway across the room wouldn't ever do. Mia's advice came back to him. Why not just go over and confront Van? But as Kirk pictured doing that in his mind, he kept seeing Van's eyes bright with hurt like they were every time Kirk hadn't wanted to do something the Fennec did. He knew the flattening of the Fennec's ears, the sagging of his whiskers, the guilt that wormed its way into Kirk's heart because he was letting someone else down. Even if he knew intellectually that it wasn't that big a deal, that Van was overreacting to his comment, he couldn't chase away the feeling that somehow it was still his fault for not being accommodating or for expressing himself poorly or something. So he hunched over, turned his body away from his stalker, and made sure to keep the conversation to subjects he didn't mind being overheard. The longer he sat, the more he felt Van's scrutiny like a heat lamp, until he grabbed the check when it came and tossed his card onto it, not wanting to sit through a round of, how are we going to split this up? Nobody said anything except, thanks. Each of them sometimes picked up the tab for any number of reasons. And Kirk, already in his head, moving on to the next plan, said casually as they walked out the door and out of Van's hearing, 
I want to try this new bar over on the west side. Friday night? Porter said, sure, good cocktails. Good beer selection. What's it called? Lonnie asked. Ah, you know, I forget. Let me check. He took out his phone and pretended to look things up for a minute. I can't find it. I'll text you guys the address. Okay, cool. Here's my lift. Porter waved to them and hurried to the curb where a black sedan had just pulled up. See you guys then. Lonnie headed down the street to the bike rack where he'd left his bike. So, Martin asked, pulling his tail into his paws like he did when he was thinking about something. This a gay bar? Just a bar. Oh. If Martin started trying to hook him up with someone again... Kirk fantasized about walking out on one of their gatherings, knowing he wouldn't ever do something that dramatic. I'm really looking forward to seeing it with just the three of you, though. Sure, Martin said, and cleared his throat. Yeah, that sounds fun. Spies always trusted their instinct, and Kirk's was telling him that Martin was the one who was telling Van where to find them, but he could not for the life of him imagine why. Martin had bent a sympathetic ear when Kirk complained that Van needed someone who could discuss boundaries with him, and that Kirk needed someone who didn't have to have that discussion started for him. So why would the cacomissile be responsible for what Kirk could only assume was a clumsy attempt to get him and Van back together? Like, if he noticed Van, he'd eventually go over there and talk to him? Was that what they were waiting for, the two of them? That was the only explanation he could find that was remotely plausible, and maybe, just maybe, Van had convinced Martin that Kirk had broken up with him prematurely, and Martin had been sympathetic enough to help the Fennec with the second chance. That seemed like something the big-hearted cacomissile might plausibly do. Thursday, Kirk sent Martin the address of a newly opened bar, and then sent Lonnie and Porter the address of a nearby bar they'd never been to, setting the same time for getting together. If they talked to each other, he hoped they wouldn't get too specific. Hope, he found over the rest of Thursday and Friday, was a poor companion. Every time his phone buzzed, he expected to see a message from one of them saying, Hey, you told us different places, which one are we meeting at? But the days passed without any of his friends questioning his complicated plans, and he met Martin Friday night with a feeling of, well, not a master spy exactly. The master spies in the books weren't generally the ones making the plans. They were solving puzzles put down by villains. Trying to trap a spy didn't make him a villain, though, did it? He was the counter-spy, that felt better, and made him feel a bit less guilty about lying to some of his friends. The first half-hour of drinks with Martin passed quickly. The cackle missile kept looking around and saying things like it wasn't usual for Lonnie and Porter to both be so late, and when Kirk deflected that conversation, they talked about the latest Bond movie, comparing it to the other recent few. Martin could talk acting for hours, and Kirk had worked in theatre design in college, so they usually enjoyed discussing those aspects of movies they'd seen, and while neither acting nor set design were what you went to Bond movies for, they still killed half an hour on that topic. But when the conversation flagged, Martin went back to picking out cute guys at the bar for Kirk. How about that badger, the one in the nice jacket? The jacket's just this side of pretentious, Kirk said. But how do you even know he's gay? I don't. The cackle missile sipped his cocktail. But it's fun to pretend, right? I don't want to meet a guy in a bar. Then why do you keep looking around? You think Lonnie and Porter might be sitting somewhere else? Oh, hey. Kirk's phone buzzed at the same time. They both looked at the message from Lonnie. Where are you guys? Before Kirk could stop him, Martin was texting back. We're here. Where are you? While Martin was sorting out the fact that they were at two different bars, Kirk scanned the room one more time. If Van wasn't here, then maybe he was over at the other bar where Lonnie and Porter were, and Porter was the... At that moment, the Fennec walked through the door. Kirk's eyes met his, and Van stopped. They stared at each other, neither one moving. 
Slowly, Van scanned the restaurant, like he was looking for another friend who wasn't there, and then he turned and walked right back out the door. "'Ah, you must have sent them the wrong address,' Martin said. "'They're over at this place on Rosen, and it's just a few blocks, so they're coming over here.' "'What?' Kirk had shifted his stare to Martin, his claws tap-tapping on the table. "'So you're the one who's been telling him.' The cackle missile turned quickly toward the door, and his ears went back, though he tried to put on a brave, innocent smile as he faced Kirk again. "'Telling, uh, who? What?' Van just walked in. Kirk nodded at the door. "'How'd he know we were here?' "'I don't know. What, you think I told him where we'd be? Why would I do that?' "'I don't know.' Kirk's muzzle felt warm. He rubbed his other paw over his whiskers. I thought maybe you were trying to get us back together, but as soon as he saw that I saw him, he left. He showed up at the movie and the mall and the set and Red Hook, and now he's here and you're the only one who had this address. Martin's brave smile struggled a moment longer and then creased into anger. I'm the only one? Did you tell Lonnie and Porter another bar? Was this a trap? The pride Kirk had felt in the success of his scheme remained with him about as long as Van had stayed in the bar. Maybe, but but it worked. So tell me, is Van following me and then waiting half an hour to walk in? Or are you telling him where to spy on me? It's your fault, the cack missile snapped. If you just tell him it's over. I told him, Kirk shifted in his chair. I mean, I said it was going to be real busy. A- anyway, why does that make a difference? I know he's clingy. You don't have to help him because he still thinks he has a chance with you. People around them turned their heads and ears. Quiet down, Kirk said, leaning forward. He still thinks you might get back together with him. Martin ignored Kirk's words, because you don't have the balls to go tell him it's over. So I told him to come watch us and be discreet, and I thought maybe he'd hear you talk about someone else, about going on other dates, but you can't even commit to that. So he thinks you're still hung up on him. Kirk waved the cacomissile silent. What do you care? let him figure it out. Even as he said the words, they sat uneasily with him. A fox at a nearby table made a sound like that might have been directed at him, but as soon as Kirk half-turned, Martin replied, Oh my God, figure it out? Are you are you serious? Do you understand how people work? Look, Kirk turned from one side to the other. As Martin had moderated his tone, people had lost interest in their conversation, or at least they'd figured out how to disguise their interest. Can we discuss my relationship issues later? What does this have to do with anything? Oh, you don't have a clue! Martin shook his head. It's dumb, never mind. I'm sorry, I won't tell him where we're going anymore. He stared down at his glass as though he wanted to dive into the pink liquid and disappear. And Kirk, who did manage to think things through once in a while, got a glimmer of the answer. Wait, you want to date him? No, Martin muttered, his ears back and his tail curled tightly under his chair, and still staring down at his drink. Cripes, Martin, why didn't you say something? If, look, I'll talk to him. I mean, if you're interested, he's not a bad guy, just, I know. The missile kept his eyes on his drink. We hung out with them enough. You don't have to say anything. No. Kirk took a breath. You're right. I need to tell him plain and simple. If he can't pick up on what I'm busy means, he took a breath. I'll text him tomorrow. Martin looked up. You're going to break up with him over text message? I haven't been seeing him for three weeks. You think he hasn't picked up on that? The missile shook his head. I don't think he has, or maybe he has, but just doesn't want to admit it. So I have to go through this whole thing again? Again? Martin laughed. The whole point is you haven't gone through it at all, dude. Do it in person or at least call him. All right, all right, Kirk sighed. 
"'And if you'd just done that in the first place,' Martin said, "'you wouldn't have to do all this lying and sneaking around.' "'Wait,' he squinted. "'Did you think you were James Bond?' "'No,' Kirk's ears flattened. "'Oh, no!' Martin giggled. "'Hey,' Kirk grabbed his glass with a scowl. "'It worked, didn't it? "'Anyway, you're also doing spy stuff, sneaking intel to Van.' Lonnie walked into the bar and scanned it. Kirk waved him over, and the Jaguar waved behind him, presumably to Porter. "'Don't call it intel!' Martin turned to see who Kirk was waving at, and so both of them froze as Porter walked through the door, talking to a visibly reluctant Van. "'Why are they bringing him here?' Kirk asked. "'They're not going to have him sit with us, are they?' "'They were.' Lonnie took an unused chair from an adjacent table and swung it around for Van while he and Porter took the seats next to Kirk and Martin. The Fenix stared at Kirk and spoke before the badger could. Lonnie said it'd be okay if I joined you. "'Uh, yeah,' Kirk said. Martin, Lonnie, and Porter all waited, and he knew what they were waiting for him to say. "'The beers here are pretty good.' he said, staring at his menu. The jaguar and otter looked at each other. Porter cleared her throat. So, hey, Kirk, didn't you wonder where we were? It's a nice place, but we were waiting for half an hour. He set me up, Martin said. Kirk reached out to stop him, but Martin shook his paw off. I've been telling Van where we've been hanging out, so we could maybe see Kirk dance with someone else, or at least talk about breaking up, maybe, but so far Kirk hasn't obliged. Ah, Lonnie said. That's why you were trying to get him to dance with other guys. Van cleared his throat. I know this is all a misunderstanding. Kirk's been pretty busy, and I know you guys are important to him, so he makes time for you. But he hasn't... He hasn't told me we're over. He hasn't told me to my face. This was very much like one of Kirk's nightmares, caught in all of his past mistakes in front of the people he liked the most in the world. He tried to think of some way to change the subject, but nothing came to mind. Porter leaned forward. Did you really send us someplace else instead of just asking Martin if he was talking to Van? Oh, hey! Lonnie slapped the table. That's why you said you might not show up the other night. Hey, that was a test. I passed. Of course you passed, Porter told him. You weren't doing anything. I'm sorry, the words burst out of him. It was kind of fun setting it all up. I just didn't want to accuse anyone if it turned out not to be that... Imagine how stupid I'd have felt. As opposed to now? Martin folded his arms and leaned back. But look, it worked, Kirk insisted. Martin's been trying to get me to break up with Van because... The cackle missile's eyes went wide. Kirk! If I have to tell him, you do too. Tell me what? Van looked from Badger to cackle missile. Guys, seriously, can we just have a straightforward conversation? Technically, Porter said, if you just called and asked Kirk flat out what the deal was, instead of stalking him all over the city, you could have avoided all of this too. You guys want us to go? Lonnie pushed his chair back. Seems like this might get personal. Get? Kirk said. Shut up, Lon. Porter put a paw on his arm. Kirk used us to set his trap. He owes us. He shook his head and stood, pulling the otter to her feet. You guys wave us back when you're set. Ow! Just because you're bigger than me, you can't just ow. Okay, fine, fine. She followed Lonnie over to the bar, where they pointedly kept their ears perked up at the television. The remaining three sat in silence for a moment. Kirk hoped that one of the others would start, but it was clearly up to him. He was going to have to deal with Van's disappointment, but the sooner he did, the sooner it'd be over. He took a breath. Okay, fine. Van, I'm sorry. You're a nice guy, but I can't keep dating you. There's just too much pressure, and I can't handle it. Pressure? When did I ever put pressure on you? 
There it was. The hurt in his eyes, the flattened ears, and the feeling that it was all Kirk's fault, that he'd screwed up somehow. He started to talk, but Martin cut him off. Van, don't question how Kirk feels. It took him way too long to do this, but he did it, so be gracious about it. The Fennec looked down and rubbed his eyes. I didn't really believe it, he said softly. I mean, sorry, Kirk, if I made you feel... I didn't mean to. It sounds dumb to say it's not you, it's me, but it sort of is. Kirk steeled himself and reached out. I'm sorry, too. And I'm sorry for stalking you. That's not cool. I just really needed to know and you weren't telling me anything. Van rested his paw in Kirk's. The contact, warm and pleasant, didn't upset Kirk as much as he thought it might. Speaking of that... Kirk turned to the caca missile. It was a little fun watching Martin stumble over his words and fun watching Van take too long to get what he meant. Then Van asked if it would be okay with Kirk, and Kirk said it would be fine, and that seemed to upset Van again too, so the Fennec stood and said goodbye to all of them, tapping Porter on the shoulder on his way out to say goodbye to them too. "'I suppose,' Lonnie said when he and Porter rejoined the table, "'it's too much to ask that you've learned a lesson?' "'Who?' Martin asked. "'Me or him?' "'Either of you?' Porter shook her head. "'I'm gonna bet on no.' Kirk smiled. I learned that lying to your friends and sneaking around and playing spy works. Hey, yeah. Martin lifted his glass and toasted Kirk. We both got what we wanted by not confronting anyone. Kirk lifted his glass, but paused. Just so you know, you lied to me and I lied to you, so... He waved between them with his free paw. We're even? Sure, the cacomissile smiled. Cool. Kirk toasted, ignoring Lonnie's groan, and he and Martin drank together. This was Agent Friend Zone by Kyle Gold, read for you by Kaki, your faithful fireside companion. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Doc.